You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution talking to you on this Southern Fried Soccer podcast. After Atlanta United defeated New York City FC or NYCFC 2-1 here on August 11th, the goals were scored by Joseph Martinez in the 42nd minute and then again in the 63rd minute to set two MLS records that we can talk about in a second. NYCFC got one back in the 81st minute on a rocket of a shot by Hebert. The win moves Atlanta United right now uh, into a tie with Philadelphia at the top of the East. The Union are hosting Houston at the time they were tied at one uh, when I started recording this podcast. And it keeps NYCFC temporarily at bay, uh, even though they have still two games in hand and trail Atlanta United now by four points. The two teams will play again at NYCFC Stadium uh, in late September. As always, I'm joined by Jason Longshore of SoccerDownHere.net and 92.9 FM. Jason, this is a team that to me uh, is playing as confidently as I think I I have ever seen that I can remember. Yeah, I think it's a team playing at just a a level that we haven't seen on a regular basis. It was something we finished up with on on our full-time report on 92.9 The Game. Look, Atlanta's always prioritized recruiting players with high levels of technique so they can play one-two touch, I think, faster and better than any team in the league. And this week has really brought that to the fore. I think the game against the LA Galaxy where you know, the Galaxy tried to play, couldn't play at that level on a regular basis. They were missing Zlatan. That definitely had an effect. You go down to Orlando without Joseph Martinez, and it takes a little bit of time to figure everything out with the different bits of movement and the different passages and and patterns that were there. But you did, and you controlled that one from a possession standpoint. And here, again, against a team that was the best in the league in possession, they couldn't get the ball off of Atlanta for very long. Atlanta was just so good at playing so quick, and they were able to vary the speed. And I think that was the difference today for me is they could play at 100 miles an hour and they could slow it down to 50 and still be effective. They were able to know when to go fast and when to slow down a bit. A few talking points, of course. We'll start with Joseph. He scored in his 10th consecutive league game, which sets a new MLS record. He tied Diego Valeri last year, tied it again this year, 10 consecutive games. And his... The first goal, his 69th in the past three seasons, set another 
league record. Uh, he had tied Bradley Wright Phillips, the New York Red Bulls, for that mark, and then, of course, he scored his 70th. So he's extending that mark with plenty of games left this season. Uh, the first goal, a header to the back post after good work by Pitti Martinez. A little bit more on him in a second. Ooh, that ball from Pitti. Put Julian into space. And Julian, who created seven chances, a lot of them in the first five minutes, put a perfect cross for Martinez just to charge into, went right through Maxime Cheneau and uh, just put the ball into the back of the net. Uh, Joseph didn't want to talk after the game. He, he was getting some uh, ice on his adductor, which he had injured on Monday. Understandable. Um, but he put five shots on target, which ties a franchise record previously set by uh, Tito Viaba. I don't know what game that came in. Um, Brad Guzan said, you know, we're a little bit spoiled, talking about the team. Seeing Joseph, you expect him to score no matter the pass, no matter where he is, no matter the defense. Um, what were your thoughts on his performance tonight, As particularly coming off an adductor injury? I, I just I have to read a tweet from uh, the Soccer Cooligans, which is a great podcast if you don't know it already, because it's pretty much how I feel about that first goal. It truly is wild how this small Venezuelan man be straight up dunking on dudes weekly. <laughs> I mean, he goes up and wins the header at the back post that he has no business getting up to win. It wasn't a great ball from Julian Gressel, and, and he told us on our full-time report, he's like, I felt a little bad about it because I overhit it a little bit. But Joseph is just – he's Joseph. I mean, the guy is, is ridiculous inside the 18, and he could have had a couple more today. It wasn't even a great day from Joseph in terms of efficiency, but he gets the goals that are needed. And I was a little worried early on when he had a great chance – off of a first-time ball from Julian Gressel to open the play. And he was out of sync and and missed it. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe this is bothering him a little bit. And he looked a a little gimpy. Yeah, he did. And after that, he's fine. Yep. Um, The the nine shots on target that Atlanta United had today, including that one by Gressel, uh, matched or or set a season high for the team. I want to talk about Pitti Martinez a little bit. Frank has said Frank DeBoer has said many times that in his experience, which is considerable, it typically takes players about six months to get adjusted to a new league, new country, etc. This is August. If you count backward to the very first game of the season, we're almost at six months, and suddenly Pitti Martinez is playing probably, I think, his best soccer of the season, his most consistent soccer of the season. Frank said he thought this was his best game of the year. Pity disagreed because he didn't score. But <laughs> the effort, particularly the slide tackle at the end of the game, is something that I think we can all agree we haven't seen a lot from Pity this year. To me, that stuff is the cherry on top. What, what I loved about his performance was three different things that, that stood out to me. And it's good that it was a game where there was that much to talk about from Pity Martinez. The ball to Gressel on the first goal mm-hmm. where he splits multiple defenders and leaves three for dead and puts in a ball that it's one thing to, to split the defenders. It's another to give Gressel that ball that he can hit first time. You put the perfect weight on the pass. It was almost a no-look pass because Pitty was yep. almost facing backward from how he hit the ball. No-look pass, splits defenders, and with the perfect weight on it for Gressel to hit first time. The work from him to earn the penalty that Joseph took for the second goal because it's a play where 
It's it's too far for Joseph. He might have been in offside position. I, I think Joseph just let it go because he's not 100%, and it was he probably wasn't going to win it. Well, Pitti somehow does, and then pulls the move to earn the penalty. And then the ball towards the end that Gressel had a shot that forced a save. Yeah. That ball from Pitti Martinez slicing it with the outside of his left foot 60 yards across the field probably – maybe 50, 50 to 60 yards across the field on a dime for Julian Gressel. It was such a good ball that everybody on the field stopped for a second and was like, what? Oh, oh. He, he had one to Barco in the first half, too, mm-hmm. about a 30-yarder that he dropped right onto the penalty spot, and Barco couldn't connect with it because, I mean, it was a tough run and shot for him to make. It, it's, it, it was, was a perfect Yeah, pass. that was another perfect one because the only person who has a chance to get to that is Barco. Right. Barco has to hit one of the shots of his life because he has to take it out of the air. He's not going to have time to settle it. Right. But those plays, one, those are plays that there's just very few players who have them in them. When you combine the work rate and you combine the tackling and the defending and – he he pulled a move. He he got Monterita a yellow card, and it, it would have nearly been a red if Monterita had showed his studs because he took the ball off of him, then played a one-two and nutmegged him. And Monterita was just like, "I've had enough," and just went in with both feet on him. Pitti had his best game in an Atlanta United shirt, and and you can tell that he is feeling very comfortable in the way that they're playing right now. Yeah, I mean, I thought one of the first signs that he looked comfortable not only from that pass to Barco in the first half. But he did take about a 25-yard shot, and he put it on frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't he wasn't have, he, forced it off. Yeah, he didn't force it, anything. He had a free kick over here in the second half. He put it on frame. That one had some meat on it. Too. Yeah. Johnson couldn't catch it. Yeah, I, I think it's a sign that he's relaxing a little bit. He said that the formation – I still don't know if he agrees with the formation based upon his comments. He said to play the formation the manager wants. But it is allowing him to get into some spaces – uh, that he couldn't get into before. I think having Barco on the field. Yes, I was about to say that. Opponents have to respect Barco and Joseph and Nagby. They have to be wary of Gressel and his yeah. width on the right. Merrim's ability to beat a guy one on one on the left, which he just does. Same move over and over and over again. Keeps working. Almost had a goal. Uh, in the first half here. He mixes it up so well. Maram, Maram's so tricky because it, it's similar moves, but what he's so good at doing is he doesn't always go to the end line. Sometimes he, he looks for an early cross. Yeah. Sometimes he looks for a cutback cross. Sometimes he tries to bend a cross in. So the defender, does, there's not really a, there's not one book on Justin Maram to how to defend him. But Anton Tinnerholm, who's better, one of the best right-sided defenders in this league, couldn't really figure it out. Right. Um. Miles Robinson, uh, just another fantastic game tonight. Uh, a few different guys tried to beat Miles one on one. It wasn't happening. The only mistake Miles made was when he did a pass back to Guzan in the first half and almost put it in the goal. Guzan got wrong footed a little bit. Miles had a goal, disallowed uh, after review. I've seen worse push-offs in almost every game I've ever watched. <laughs> oh, but, thank you. I was so irate about but that. The, but, you know, it is what it is. It was a push, so it was a foul. It's just a little bit inconsistent in the calling. Um, so now we have upcoming the Campionas Cup on Wednesday. I do think you're going to see some new faces in the Atlanta United lineup. I know the team is prioritizing trophies. Hector Viaba did not come in in the second half today. Frank said he was going to bring him in around the 80th minute, but that's when NYCFC scored, and Joseph's defense on set pieces is too inviolable to take him off. 
you could see how well he jumps on that first goal. Yes. So I think he, Frank said you're likely going to see Tito get some minutes. I'm really curious about George Bello. I think he'll probably make the 18 he on played, Wednesday. He played 60 just, something minutes today. Yeah, just about 70 in Louisville today. I think you'll see him get some minutes. Frank doesn't like wholesale rotations of the starting lineup. Yeah. However, I think that you will see some different faces come in. Frank may not consider it wholesale changes. Guys like Renowitz, guys like Parkhurst, yeah. guys like Tito, maybe Mo Adams. Parkhurst, Heinemann. and Herrera and Adams would be the ones who I think are right now guys who haven't played very much lately that would be good to get them some minutes in this because they're all three guys that you could need down the stretch run. You'd love to get them a game to get a little sharpness back. Yeah, and I'm not implying that Atlanta is not wanting to win this trophy. But you do have to prioritize. You've got to manage it. Yeah, yeah you've got to manage and, it. And it's not like he's putting on Atlanta United two players. No. These are guys who have minutes this year and who have played well. We'll just have to see what he does. Because then they have the big game at Portland. Um, I know Atlanta United just won at Orlando. But going and winning at Portland, it's another chance, which they failed to do at LAFC, to make a statement that it is an MLS Cup contender definitely this season. I see. I'll disagree. I think it. I think they have established that, and especially a win like today establishes that. I think what a win in Portland would do is it changes that narrative about okay, you can do it at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, but can you do it away from home? Well, that's what I mean because yeah. they're going to have to win something away from home, and they're not other than the Orlando game, not playing particularly well away from home. Yeah. So they've got to show that they can put ninety minutes of consistent focus together. They may lose. But if they play solidly and not have a 12-minute spurt like against LAFC, I think that will go a long way. The other thing I forgot to mention with Joseph is suddenly the Golden Boot race is very interesting mm-hmm. now. Vela and LAFC will host Red Bulls tonight. But if he gets shut out, he still has, I think, one game in hand, but he only leads Joseph by two goals now. Mm-hmm. The thing about Joseph, uh, the, the goal-scoring streak, the goals in three seasons, records he set today – the one that keeps jumping out to me, it's a record he set a while ago, the multi-goal games. He's got 18 in his career now. When you look at the guys ahead of him in MLS history, there's only seven guys ahead of him. And the closest one in terms of games played is Robbie Keane, who played 125 times in this league. Joseph played his 76th game in MLS today. The fact that he has 18 multi-goal games in 76 is absurd. Landon Donovan has 32 to set the record in MLS history. He did that in 300-plus games. What Joseph is doing, not just in the volume he's scoring, but those multi-goal games where when you see a guy get a couple goals in a game, it changes the way that the whole team, the whole opposition team defends because you have to send bodies to that player. The gravity that they attract it's amazing, and it creates opportunities for others. And we see a lot of times other Atlanta United players take advantage. And the last talking point uh, from tonight, for me anyway, is um, once again Eric Rometty totally neutralized Maxi Morales, uh, just as he did in the playoff series between these two teams last year. Yeah, Eric Rometty has really come into his own over the last few weeks. Um, he struggled, I thought, at the beginning of the season. He wasn't the same player. He wasn't the but same. But this formation – I don't know if it's the formation. I don't know what it is. But it seems to be working for a lot of Atlanta United's players. It's 
the biggest difference because I mean I think you have to look at it at two different waves. The three five two has opened things up in some ways, but getting Barco into the three five two just gives your midfield more definition. And we talked about it after LAFC uh, before I had to run off and try to catch a plane, which traffic was really bad, but we got there okay. It was all good. Um, Barco gives that midfield a number 10, a focal point going forward. In L.A., it felt like it was Heinemann, Remetti, Nagby all doing the same thing and nobody really taking charge of going forward and nobody taking charge of defending. Remetti and Nagby, when it's just the two, and it's two people making a decision, they're really good, and they're really in sync with knowing who who needs to step here, who doesn't. To be fair to Maxi Morales, he's not 100%. He played 15 minutes or so on Thursday night. He didn't play last weekend against Real Salt Lake. Dome Tarant was very angry he had to play in the All-Star game. Otherwise, he would have been suspended. Since he didn't play against RSL, maybe you should have just told him to sit out the All-Star game, too. He wasn't 100%. He was lacking. But Remetti, for me, what he did is he really forced Ring and Ofori back deeper. And Alexander Ring has got four goals and four assists for NYC this season. was a non-factor today. Mm-hmm. That is true. All right, Jason, what do you all have upcoming on, on your social media channels and programs? Ooh, overreaction Monday, tomorrow morning on Soccer Down Here. It's on the app. You can download it on iOS or on Android. You can listen on our website, soccerdownhere.net. You can listen on Spreaker. If you didn't get a chance to hear yesterday, I had a really special opportunity to do a podcast roundtable with four former Atlanta Chiefs, Atlanta Apollos, Data Graphic players, uh, John Cocking, Alan Hamlin, Nick Papadakis, and Jeff Solom took some time to sit down with me and, and talk some of Atlanta soccer history. And it was a really fun conversation. Go back and check that out if you get a chance. And we'll be talking all week, getting ready for Campione's Cup in Portland. And Campione's Cup, we will have on 92.9 the game with our normal schedule, pregame 30 minutes before kickoff, and the full-time report for an hour afterwards. I'm having to search my memory banks, but I think that my dad played with Alan Hamlin in some adult rec leagues after the Chiefs uh, folded. Probably. Alan Um, definitely stuck around and played because we talked about that. He played for uh, Cobb FC in the ADASL, and then I think he played in the Cobb League when it got started. But ADASL was around first. Yeah. Uh, It's just funny. I, I can remember him almost running over me. I was sitting on the sideline on a ball watching my dad, and Alan comes charging trying to get a loose ball. I'm paying attention to my dad, not paying attention to the ball, and Alan almost flattens me. Oh, Alan would have trucked you, too. Yeah, and then, you know, kind of uh, got on me a little bit for not paying more attention, right. which, you know, he should have. He was, he was correct. Uh, but that, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> and if y'all want to tackle the fault in the theories of zipper merging, I would appreciate that on your podcast tomorrow. What? After my travels on I-20 today. Uh, um, uh, but anyway, yeah, I'll have uh, – you'll obviously have this podcast. I'm going to post the player rating soon. The game story is updated. I think I'm going to have a sidebar on Pitti Martinez. And then we will see what a media availability is Tuesday ahead of the Campionis Cup. As always, this is Doug Robertson. You can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Jason, I didn't get to talk about this, but we'll talk about it some more uh, probably next week. The race in the MLS East. Uh, things, again, I thought went well for Orlando uh, this weekend. Uh, the race has really opened up 
Orlando City supporters think that I dislike their team and I hate them, which is just not true. Um, I think it would be, again, great for the league if Orlando makes the playoffs. I think it would be a just reward for the supporters and the energy they've shown. Uh, I'm sorry that Orlando City supporters didn't like me pointing out facts about empty sections in their stadium for the biggest game. But it was a fact. It wasn't a judgment I was making. Um, Can I defend Orlando fans for a second? That's fine. That kind of freaks me out. Um, Look, I understand why they're not turning out in huge numbers like they have in the past. They've had to watch a lot of bad soccer. This has been a, a team and a club that the point total decreased every year. From six, 15 to 16 to 17 to 18. This is the first year it's going to go up. This is the best Orlando City team they've ever had, I think. I think it's better than year one. I think it's better than year one with Kaka. I think this is the best team they've ever had. And that was a big point for them in Toronto. They've still got a playoff shot. Yeah, I think so too. They just, you know, they're like the other teams because it's so muddled. They're going to need some luck. Yeah. Um, but we'll see what happens. But again, I don't dislike Orlando. Their I, fans have deserved better, and I think they're yeah, finally getting it. I agree. You know, that it's going to take a second to get them back in the building on a regular basis. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's the business. Um, you know, there, it was a school night. There are other factors. Yeah, um, sure. And it, it wasn't a knock on the supporters' groups that were in the standing-only section. They were fantastic. They were awesome. It was, I guess, the casual fan that sits in those other sections. It just didn't bother to show up, which I found quizzical. Uh, considering it was the biggest win in franchise history. I don't know if that's on the team's marketing. I, I don't know what it was on. I know they made the decision to not sell tickets to anyone who did not have a Florida zip code. Uh, I don't know enough about ticketing to know if that's a good policy or a bad policy. But based upon the result, it seemed like a bad policy. But anyway, that's either here or there. Follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. Follow me on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Atlanta United 2-1 to one winners over New York City FC here on August 11th, 2019. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.